well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm so glad you're with me on the program today. And we are going to be talking about um, one of the newest ways that gun control advocates are trying to infringe on our right to keep and bear arms. If you cannot afford to uh, purchase a gun, uh, you know, cash up front, well, they don't think you should be able to buy a firearm. That's right. They're going after the buy now, pay later uh, practice. You know, again, buying a gun on credit, uh, in essence. That, they say, should not be allowed. And uh, here to talk about it, we've got the CEO of Credova, Dusty Wonderlick. This is a, a company that is all about uh, buy now, pay later. And they are targeting uh, gun owners and sportsmen. And sadly, there is a need for their services these days. So we're going to get into the attack on the buy now later process, at least when it comes to uh, gun purchases and what companies like Cordova are doing to ensure that uh, Americans want to exercise their right to keep and bear arms, but don't have the uh, money to pay for a firearm right up front can still do so without being priced out of exercising their Second Amendment rights. Take a look and a listen. Dusty, thanks so much for coming on the program. I'm sorry that I was not able to make it out to SHOT Show this year to see you in person, but I appreciate you doing me on the program today. Absolutely. Thanks, Cam. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mentioned in my introduction that this is sort of one of the newest ways that the gun control groups have found to attack gun ownership, right, is going after those folks who can't afford to pay cash up front, who, who do rely on buy now, pay later services. And they seem to want to draw this line in the sand that, you know, this is fine for all kinds of uh, retail purchases, except when it comes to a purchase that quite literally could save your life, right? At that point, if you can't afford to fork over 100% of the money for that firearm, they think you shouldn't get that gun. You're you're absolutely right. It's It's been stunning to see uh, the hypocrisy within uh, the, the politicians that have come after this, uh, which is nothing new, I think, from what we've seen over the last couple deco decades. But the very politicians that are the ones that are going to complain about discrimination, uh, you know, those underserved communities in the financial sectors are completely OK with with taking the only constitutionally protected product and uh, eliminating a form of, of payment for, for those consumers. So it, it's it's just rooted in hypocrisy. There's no strong ideological um, foundation in which they're arguing this point. Uh, as, as I think most of your listeners know, uh, this is just uh, catering to uh, the political whims of, of the day. And, um, you know, it's something, I mean, I think we're really the only ones uh, in the industry right now that are, um, you know, offering this product um, throughout the gun industry, but also taking a stand uh, when media and, and Congress has, has come after us because uh, we believe that there's a strong constitutional evidence that we need to protect our rights. And that even comes down to buy now, pay later products. You know, and again, I mean, the gun control advocates point to a, a couple of very high profile examples, right, of uh, individuals who used buy now, pay later and went on to commit horrific crimes. Um, but to suggest that, well, you know, listen, if that option wasn't available to them, those crimes wouldn't have happened, I think ignores the reality of violent crime in this country, right? Most firearms that are used in crimes are required illicitly. Um, so if that individual had been precluded from being able to purchase a firearm, A, they could have saved their money up, right, if they were really intent on committing this crime. But B, they could also have acquired a firearm unlawfully. Um, 
So I think about, you know, those one or two examples that they that they mentioned as horrible as they are. But I contrast that to what I would say is a much more the much more average customer. Right. For companies like you uh, and uh, Cordova, people who are living on a fixed income paycheck to paycheck, they want to be able to exercise their right to keep their arms. They might feel like they need to exercise their right to keep their arms because of where they live, because of circumstances in their life. And again, they can't save for six or seven or eight months before they you know, have the cash in hand to go buy a firearm. That might be too late for those individuals. Why should they not be able to access a firearm using a buy now, pay later program as opposed to, you know, again, having to, uh, to, to come up with the cash in hand to make this purchase? Who is, who is served by making them jump through all of those additional hoops and hurdles? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I mean, we're we're a payments mechanism, no different than a credit, debit, cash, however you want to pay. Uh, I think when you really look at it, Cam, uh, at the end of the day, this this comes down to uh, we are probably the only uh, outspoken payment system uh, in, in firearm industry. Uh, we're not a big publicly traded company like Visa or Mastercard. Uh, so they've made us a, a target in a way because of that. And really what's funny about it is uh, we can, I think, safely claim that we are the most secure payments system in the payments ecosystem for firearms. Every time a consumer comes through our platform, we go through a number of fraud checks uh, with our algorithms. We go through a credit check each time. Uh, you, you can't say that with cash or debit or credit cards. So it, in a way, it's it, it's been to us pretty laughable as, as Congress and, and the media has come after us. It's like, hey, look, we're, we're actually the safest mechanism. But it, it goes to show that just the corruption that we see uh, out of the left and, and out of Congress, um, we're uh, outspoken in what we believe in and protecting our Constitution. Uh, we're not as big as some of the other payment ecosystems. So uh, they, they've made us a target there. It has really, they can't stand on the logic and the facts is, is, is buy now, pay later from a payment mechanism and safety um, because we, we stand out, I think, as the best in, in the industry. So uh, again, it's politicians being politicians. You know, but do these politicians pose an existential threat to businesses like Cordova um, as well as to gun owners or would-be gun owners who utilize these services? I mean, how, how concerned are you that, you know, if the if the votes are there, if Democrats get their way, um, that they're going to pass a bill signed by Joe Biden that would outlaw buy now, pay later for gun purchases. Absolutely. I mean, they wield uh, a lot of power. Um, we've seen not only the politicians, but media um, really they know that we stand um, on our ethics and, and we're not going to budge. So what we've seen from from media, which you know we've seen media and Congress work pretty uh, hand in hand together on this issue, um, we've seen them uh, reach out to our partners and try to intimidate them, our family. I've had reporters calling my wife, who has nothing to do with this business, and um, you know it's just pure intimidation. And yeah, they're not going to stop uh, until they try to try to shut us down. And and this is what I appreciate so much about this community, the 2A community, because it, from my purview, it's it's really the last community that is willing to take a stand against the tyranny that we're seeing, not only in the United States, but throughout throughout the world. So as, as long as we're, <clears throat> we're breathing, Cam, 
we're going to keep fighting. And if they, you know, shut us down through a bill, we'll, we'll go out and innovate the, the next way in which we can get firearms in, in lawful citizens' hands. Yeah, you know, and I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, and I hope that it doesn't come to that, right? I mean, I hope that we're able to uh, have a successful election cycle that uh, this threat will at least dissipate. But, you know, again, even at the federal level, uh, we've got this going on in so many anti-gun states that can, you know, uh, uh, try to uh, make headway, um, you know, in Sacramento, in uh, Boston, uh, Albany, New York. So, you know, even a great election cycle at the federal level in 2024, I don't think is going to mitigate this threat entirely. What can what can consumers do? I mean, what can we as gun owners do to push back against this idea that that, again, this to me, this is another way that they try to treat the Second Amendment as a second class right. Um, and so maybe that is the hook, right, is that this is just another way that you are disrespecting a fundamental civil right. You are infringing on people's ability to exercise that right by trying to curtail buy now, pay later. Uh, and again, I think you're putting lives at risk. I mean, what what are the what are the messages that that these politicians need to be hearing from gun owners? Yeah, uh, it's it's a great question, and you know, a lot of what um, it, it we've been doing from from our side, and then there's other companies like us, which we're now calling the parallel economy. Uh, we just recently partnered with Public Square, which is the largest patriotic marketplace there. Uh, an advocate for the 2A space and, and those that are companies that are serving that space, companies like Rumble. Uh, I think first and foremost, um, voting with our dollars is, is almost the best way we can do this. Go out and support those companies, which many in the 2A space are, are doing. So we know what money does throughout this economy, and even politicians have to listen to where the money goes. So I'm a big proponent that voluntary exchange using our dollars is probably the best way uh, to influence power in this this country. Uh, aside from that, there are still uh, a lot of uh, states and uh, state leaders that are very much uh, in our community and in uh, protecting you know our constitutional rights. And you know you're seeing that by people, the migration of people to those states like Florida and Texas and like. Montana, where I live. And uh, if that's where we need to to go to 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 do commerce and, um, you know, move our feet and our dollars there, I think that's the other way that we fight this fight, Cam, from a political perspective. I think we're seeing that play out in Texas right now with the border. And we are inevitably seeing a clash between state and federal rights, unlike we've seen since the Civil War. And thankfully, I think we have really strong leaders in some states that are willing to take that fight on. So I think those are a couple of ways in which, you know, consumers in the 2A space can can support what we're doing in the overall movement. You think this parallel economy that you talked about, I mean, is this is, you know, is this going to expand beyond, um, let's say, the Second Amendment and, you know, freedom related issues? Is this is this, you know, going to turn into one day, let's say, the red economy versus the blue economy? I mean, is there is there that kind of room for growth uh, in this parallel economy that you're that you're talking about? I really do. It's been, I've never seen anything like it in my career of watching uh, entrepreneurs rally around building businesses. Um, and a lot of us think there's a there's a hundred million patriots uh, that are underserved, that are disrespected and just treated poorly by the majority of, of corporations and politicians out there. When you really quantify that, that is $7 trillion in GDP. 
that is a powerful group of people and a lot of money behind that. So, Cam, I, I do. I do think it's going that way. I think the the pendulum is is swinging. There's serious people behind this movement. There's serious money. And, and, and it's not all just Republicans as, as well. I mean, you take uh, Public Square, for example, and there was an article recently in the New York Post about them, about you know 26% of their users are Democrats. I think uh, 15% are, are, are independent. So uh, a lot of people are sick of what's going on, uh, the way they're being treated by corporate America in Congress. Um, so I think this really does have momentum, Cam. You know, one of the other you mentioned Florida, Texas, uh, those are two states that really pushed back hard against these merchant credit codes that uh, uh, Amalgamated Bank was pushing. We ultimately saw, you know, uh, companies like Visa and MasterCard say they're going to hit the pause button on implementing these codes. How does the, how does those merchant credit codes impact a company like Cordova? Um, and, and is this something that is, again, part of the parallel economy? Are, are you able to sidestep? These issues can gun owners know that okay, well, if I go to the you know my local gun store uh, and I use a, a service like Cordova, um, I'm not going to have to worry about them you know reporting hey uh, you know Bob spent two thousand dollars at the gun store let's flag this and see this you know this is a suspicious purchase. Right. Yeah. No. Thankfully, uh, you saw really good pushback that from a lot of states uh, and and also I mean I do have to hand it to. Visa and MasterCard, even Jamie Dimon went in front of Congress and, and said how dangerous this is. Mm-hmm. And not to say that they're big advocates of 2A, but they see the slippery slope that this starts and, and we're the tip of the spear. So thankfully, some of corporate America stepped up as well. Really, I'd say it's more self-preservation than necessarily protecting the 2A community. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is the beauty, I think, of Cordova in, in the sense that um, you know, we're not beholden to the payment rails. Um, you know, your data is completely secure with Cordova. We do not share that with anybody. Uh, we keep that completely anonymous and, and private. Um, so in a way, we are a great mechanism uh, in, in which to, you know, protect the privacy of, of gun owners and something we, we will always fight no matter what um, from, a, from a legal perspective. And some consumers use, uh, even with, with the cash to pay, will we'll use our service in an interest-free product just for that ability to keep themselves anonymous and know that they're not being tracked um, by some you know, woke bank or woke, woke payment um, uh, processing company. So, um, so you're exactly right. We are a mechanism in which can, gun owners can use to know that their information is being protected. Which I'm sure makes you a, uh, a, a, a another reason for the anti-gunners to uh, to target companies like yours. Um, where are the biggest fights for Cordova right now? Are, are they playing out at the federal level? Are they playing out at the state level? What, what you know? What is what is on your radar, and what are you uh, responding to at the moment? Yeah, over the last couple of years, uh, we've seen about 17 um, on on the House side of Congress, 17 Democrats uh, put up two different bills. Uh, really to, to do an outright ban on buy now, pay later products in, in the firearm space. Now, thankfully, <clears throat> we're in a place uh, where Republicans have control. Uh, neither one of these bills made it out of committee, but you can see the direction this is, this is going. Um, so we're always cognizant of that. Um, we're, we're always you know, working uh, with with legislators, uh, both at the state and federal level to educate them on on what we're doing, you know, how we are actually a very safe mechanism for for the firearm space. 
And so we keep a close eye on that and, and uh, we'll continue to, uh, you know, un unfortunately, we live in a time where, uh, you know, politics is as big a part of your business as the operational component. So, um, you know, one thing with us, though, Cam, as I said, is, is we'll continue to innovate and, and fight this. This is just not an opportunistic industry like it is for so many payment um, you know, companies out there to where if pressure comes, uh, they're just going to get out of the space, which we've seen many, many times from banks and, and different payment technologies. So, uh, you know, we'll continue to fight this at the state federal uh, level as, as, as hard as we can. Right now, we're, we're in a pretty good place, but you can see that, um, you know, Congress is setting a tone for, for if control does change. I think we're in for a big fight. I think you're right. Um, well, listen, Dusty, I, I, again, I thank you very much for coming on the program today. I'd love to have you back in the future because this is not an issue that's going to go away. Uh, it was just a couple of weeks ago I saw it was uh, Chris Brown from Brady campaign was, uh, you know, uh, complaining about buy now, pay later on social media. So I, I know that they're going to continue targeting companies like yours. Uh, we will continue to uh, welcome you back to the program. But thanks so much for joining us on the program today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for bringing attention to this issue. It's, it's I think, really important for the gun community. Thank you. Absolutely. I mean, listen, it's not just our we have a right to keep and bear, but in order to exercise that right, we also must have the right to acquire. Right. Absolutely. And and so that means, I think, again, um, we have to have the ability to purchase these firearms. And that's one of the avenues that they're doing to uh, that they're using to try to choke off our second amendment rights. So I think you are right there in that, uh, in that, you know, I want to say the sweet spot um, or the crosshairs, but I think one of those might work, uh, you know, companies like yours are a big part of how Americans are exercising the right to keep mirror arms. And that makes you a target for the people who don't want us to exercise that fundamental right. So again, Dusty, thanks so much, man. Look forward to doing this again right. soon. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Take care. My thanks to Dusty for joining us on the program. Looking forward to uh, speaking again in the future. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. This one from uh, Oakland, California. I believe we've actually talked about this guy before. Uh, here's the latest headline. Oakland armed robbery suspect slips out of court hearing, disables angle monitor, and is on the run. That's right. So the last time we talked about the uh, individual in question here, uh, Patrice Davis, it was because he was on probation for possession of ammunition. That was part of a plea deal that it was handed down in the uh, earlier crime. Um, when he was accused of robbing a family at gunpoint in Oakland uh, earlier this month, back on January the 12th, this is the guy who um, uh, was told while he was robbing the individuals in a car, hey, there are kids in here. Uh, and he allegedly responded, I don't care, I'll kill you and your kids. At one point, according to police, firing shots at the car, missing a baby and a six-year-old child seated inside. Now, he was arrested a short time later, um, but was allowed to bond out because of a clerical error. <laughs> so his bond was originally supposed to be $800,000, but according to the San Jose Mercury News, um, a clerical error led to that amount being registered at $100,000, and Davis was let loose. He was back in court last Thursday for a hearing, and apparently while his attorneys and the prosecutors were huddled at the bar with the judge, Davis just slipped out of court. <laughs> That's right. Now, he still had an ankle monitor on, but apparently that was disabled. The uh, last reported location was East Oakland, and uh, yeah, he's still on the loose as of a uh, last report, not in custody, has known ties to Oakland and Stockton. 
And uh, here you go. Once again, somebody who, well known to authorities, <laughs> I guess taking advantage of the dysfunctional criminal justice system in Oakland, California, where they have all kinds of gun laws on the books. But, uh, you know, those, again, seem to be impacting the law-abiding citizens a lot more than they're impacting the violent criminals in the city. Uh, today's armed citizen story from Houston, Texas. Uh, here's a headline. Grand jury will determine fate of armed bystander who allegedly shot and killed a robbery suspect. This happened a, a couple of days ago at a gas station in Houston. Apparently, the uh, armed citizen saw the robbery suspect robbing others. And then as the guy was running away after uh, committed a robbery, uh, the armed citizen fired a shot, striking the individual. Um, no arrests made at the time. Now, again, uh, according to eyewitnesses, he was running away when he was shot. Um, but Channel uh, 2 News in uh, Houston uh, spoke to Dr. David Thomas, who is a uh, law enforcement uh, expert, they say, with more than 40 years of experience on the street and in the classroom. And he said he thinks this will be determined to be justified by a grand jury. He said, look, he pistol whipped somebody, speaking of the armed robber. And robbed, he takes off running. That means that everybody he's encountered from that point on, the robbery suspect has the ability to injure and harm. Under Texas statute, that would be the prevailing sentiment that the witness, the bystander who shot him, shot with probable cause. It would be looked at as something as a means of prevention, preventing the suspect from committing another violent crime. That, he says, means that the victim, or the witness, rather, uh, who intervened, should be in the clear. He said, I would dare say the way Texas is Texas, the legislature is and the courts are, they would recognize that as a legitimate shooting because though the person was fleeing, they still had the opportunity and the ability to harm other people. Now, he did say that uh, because the uh, armed citizen left the scene, he then talked to police voluntarily, but um, Thomas said that, yeah, that could be a possible charge. He says, because that was a crime that had taken place. He intervened and he left the scene. He said, but I just think under today's rules and the way Texas is under their statutes, I just don't see that. I don't either. I mean, again, if he was concerned about uh, the robbery suspect perhaps having an accomplice, it would make sense. He wanted to get away from the scene of the crime. But again, he contacted law enforcement. He spoke to them. So it wasn't like he was trying to, you know, sneak away. Uh, without being discovered. Anyway, the uh, Houston police says the Harris County DA's office has determined that their investigation will be presented before a grand jury. But as of right now, the witness is not facing any charges for shooting the robbery suspect. And I'm kind of uh, inclined to agree with the uh, law enforcement expert that Channel 2 spoke with, uh, Dr. David Thomas. I suspect that the grand jury is going to return this as a, a no bill. Uh, finally today, our good deed of the day, in the right place at the right time. Willing to do the right thing. A Louisiana man who uh, helped a stranger at the Atlanta airport and a uh, story that ultimately went viral because the uh, lady's son started looking for help and trying to find the uh, Good Samaritan and actually discovered both from the great state of Louisiana. Jamie Tuco uh, went to X in hopes of finding the man who helped his mom. He said he made a post asking for help, finding the man who helped his mother catch her flight at the Atlanta airport. And he says, you know, as anybody knows, that's not the easiest to get around. And it's a big airport. And apparently the trains weren't working that day. Uh, his mom had issues, has issues, I guess, walking long distance. She's got a knee injury. She's scheduled to have a knee replacement. Um, but he was told by her that she actually had the help of an angel um, who helped her get across the airport, get to her flight in time. He said, just to know that there was somebody there that was able to help my mom with no questions asked. It was really, really cool. And that's what sparked my entire post. So he 
sends this you know message out into the world. Hey, help me find this person. Folks begin looking, and in less than two days, the Good Samaritan was found, identified as a man named Michael Wright from Lafayette, Louisiana. Wright said that he had missed his original flight, and while he was walking through the airport, he spotted Tuco's mom. He said the train was disabled. I'm walking through the airport, and I saw this nice lady, not old enough to be my mom, but she reminded me of somebody's mother. He said he helped to get her to her plane on time, made sure that she got settled in before he took off himself. He said it took about 55 minutes to get from C terminal to F terminal. He said, but I got her settled. I went to tell the guy at the counter, please take care of my mom. She said, my son gave me a kiss on the cheek and a big hug, and I thought that was the end of it. Uh, but no, it was not. Uh, Tuco and Wright have now connected. Tuco works with LSU's baseball team, and he says he is giving Wright tickets to see the Tigers play this spring. He says, you know, I'm really looking forward to getting to meet him in person, getting him some tickets here to a baseball game at LSU. Uh, just, you know, again, going out of his way to do something nice for a stranger. Look, are you always going to get rewarded with baseball tickets? No, probably not. But you do get the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing that you helped somebody in need. I think that was enough for Mr. Wright, but... Hopefully he gets to see a good game as well. In the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Michael Wright from Lafayette, Louisiana. We thank you for your very, very good deed. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. I'm looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow. We're going to be talking with Mike Harris of the Gun Owners Action League about that Senate gun bill that uh, dropped on Friday. They are racing towards a vote by February the 1st. Uh, while the bill is not as big and bad as the House gun control bill that was already passed last fall, there is still plenty for gun owners to be concerned about. And again, we'll uh, go through it with Mike Harris from the Gun Owners Action League on Tuesday's Bearing Arms Cam and Company. In the meantime, don't forget to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day. We're keeping you up to date on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. And if you like what you see, I'd encourage you to sign up, become a VIP or VIP Gold member. All you have to do, go to brainarms.com slash subscribe, use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your membership. In exchange, we're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else because your support really does matter, and it truly does make a difference. So thank you again. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Till then, well, be safe and be free.